You are now listening to a Fit Plus Love production. Speed is timeless. Cycling is timeless. Sports are timeless. Like start a new endeavor whenever the hell you want. <laughs> that was Ali Tetrick. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I am syncing up with three-time Gravel Worlds champion, also known as the queen of gravel, Ali Tempest. She is a cowgirl, a scientist, a storyteller, and a pro cyclist. Ali is a force to be reckoned with, and her journey is nothing short of inspiring. Growing up on a remote cattle ranch in California, Ali pursued excellence in academics and solo sports. She earned a biochemistry degree and became a published scientific author before pursuing a career in drug discovery but her true passion has always been cycling. She was a talented triathlete, but it wasn't until her grandfather convinced her to race bicycles exclusively that she truly found her calling. She rose quickly through the ranks to become one of the best elite women cyclists in the world, placing third at the UCI World Championships and winning stages at major events. However, her career was cut short by a sequence of devastating crashes that left her with a traumatic brain injury, broken bones, and months of rehab. Allison refused to let this stop her from pursuing her passion. She found a new sense of freedom on the bike in the gravel scene. Allie and I sync up today to talk about where her career began in cycling, our mutual passion for riding horses, when she switched gears to gravel, what she loves about the sport, and so much more. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Head over to wherever you get your podcast. Click on the Marnie on the Move podcast. If you're on Apple, scroll all the way to the bottom. Click on the five stars. Click on leave a review. Also, if you're on Spotify, click on the five stars. And now, new feature you can answer a question in the QA, which we're leaving. Usually it will be, what do you think about this podcast? What do you like about this podcast? But all of those things help us get you more content. So leave a review on Apple, leave a review on Spotify, tell us what you love, share this on your social channels, and enjoy my conversation with Ali Tetrick. I'm so psyched to meet you, Allie. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm excited to meet you. I've heard so many amazing things. I've heard amazing things about you too. We have some triathlon stuff to talk about um, and some gravel. I am super psyched to talk triathlon cycling, but can we talk about the fact that you grew up on a ranch and are a real cowgirl? I also grew up riding. I love horses. So did you ride English or Western? Both. Oh, good. Okay. 
I mean, I, I, I competed in English and like hunter jumper. Oh, nice. Warm bloods. Yes. <laughs> Great. But I, I, but I rode for a long, like my mom had me on a horse at four, you know, and I would take lessons and when I would, you know, ride, I mean, I learned both ways of riding both styles, but I know you rode Western. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, yeah. So I, uh, born and raised here in California, um, from born and solving, um, which is this kind of quite weird Danish town. Um, and we had a cattle ranch down there and my parents actually were just here yesterday. Uh, they came up to visit or came down to visit. Um, and then they're up in Redding. So it's super NorCal. So Shasta County, uh, and they still have a working cattle ranch and, I know I can't complain about the weather because you're in New York and it's yeah. snowy, but it's not California, <laughs> I had snow on mountains that I've never seen out here. Like we have oh, had wow. the coldest yeah, I winter. I think we have some historical snowpacks going on. <laughs> so, um, my parents, they're only at 900 feet, but they were worried about the cows because, you know, yeah. they don't, we're not used to that. And so there was a lot of snow and they have to eat. And so yeah. then they have to go feed and, you know, we don't do that, but yeah, I loved growing up on a cattle ranch, um, riding horses. So like you, I was on a horse before for probably yeah, like no pony stuff or anything. I have some really great photos that I'm just out on the sand dunes along the beach and rounding up cows on a horse. Um, so definitely found horses long before I found bikes. <laughs> Speaking of cycling, how awesome was it watching the Tour de France Femme of X Wift this past summer? It was so, oh, so beautiful. Um, so I covered a podcast of the Tour de France. I actually had the privilege as well to work with Zwift on an all women um, agency to help the branding, strategy, creativity, like creative direction um, okay. into uh, their launch should be in the title sponsor of the Tour de France Femme of X Swift. And so I, I, I was a part of this ama- amazing group of women from like Apple, Google, Nike, and it was six of us. It was, we called ourselves the FOM six. So we got to work with Zwift to come up with the whole watch the FOM. Oh, like okay, hashtag cool. watch the FOM new rules campaign campaign. And then, um, I got married in July and then we went to Aspen and we covered the Tour de France of FOM of X Zwift uh, with Lance Armstrong. I understand this polarizing. However, a lot of views, um, uh, the highest cycling downloaded podcast and, uh, to cover the, the tour. Uh, and so I was so excited. And so for those that don't know, 1984 was the first time, um, that women raced the Tour de France bomb also were in the Olympics, uh, in cycling at all. And also the marathon. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that about the marathon. uh huh. 1984 and the Olympics were in LA. So then when the Tour de France Femme of X Wift comes back in 2022, how cool is that? You know, it, it, it kind of like came in in different iterations, um, from 1984 to around 1989. And then there's some like other ones, but they don't have that branding or that stature. Right. And so for this resurrection yes. of women cycling, was so powerful for me. I cried. I laughed. I cried more. I just, and most of these women that are racing too, that were my teammates or like former competitors still. Right. So it's just to know these characters and stories of and how inspired I am. It's 
fantastic. What events did you do when you were a pro road cyclist? Did you do the women's stage of the Tour de France, La Course? When I was racing road, uh, I did iterations of it, like La Route de France. So, you know, it's around the same time. It's a bike race around France, but it's not the Tour de France, right? So I did La Course. So I've done those iterations. Those are one day with this glorified time trial, another day, another year, you know, so, but I hadn't done what these women did this year. Cause that hasn't been done since the eighties no. because it's totally different. Like a, an iteration where you're like the ugly stepsister of something, one thing, no stepsister is ugly. I promise. But you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. I'll delete that. That's fine. No problem. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I've done like all these other ways, but to come back to, to see and at least help promote and work even in the strategy for the marketing and branding. Um, The tour at a level that is inspiring and where it should be with room to grow, of course, but we always have room to grow. Um, But yeah, it's awesome. That's so cool. And you were on the world tour and then you switched to gravel. What inspired you to make that transition to go from world tour road cycling to gravel? When I was racing world tours, so to, to back up a few s- pedal strokes, yeah. um, I, I was a collegiate tennis player. So I played NCAA tennis. Um, I actually, I lived in Boston working in chemistry research and drug discovery. So I have all that. And, um, then I, I, it was my grandfather that got me the sport of cycling, which we can talk about, which is really yeah. sweet. It's in your DNA. But, yeah. <laughs> It is in my DNA. Uh, and once I started racing bikes after triathlon, so you'll understand that, but then I could, um, go and I, I, I was really good on the bike. And so I, I love cycling so much. Um, and I had a lot of pitfalls and crashes and et cetera, but what drew me from professional road racing to gravel racing was I had done a lot And you're racing and performing on the world's biggest stages and you're having a great time and you can do these iconic races like Flanders and, you know, Flesh Alone and the Giro d'Italia and all these just things that people dream of being able to do, like race up the Stelvio. I'm going to tell you, it's really hard, but I, uh, due to my history and crashing and some injuries. And I've always advocated for myself and others for like this life balance and investing in myself. Um, so graduate school, being healthy, maintaining hopefully good relationships and trying to show up as much as I can. Um, it was like a solid 11 years. And then I'm like, I just was a little uninspired by the goals I had set for me. And I I live here in Petaluma, California, and we have another, um, also another Camelback athlete here in Petaluma, California, Yuri Hoswald, who won Unbound as well. I trained with Yuri quite a bit. Yeah. Yuri Hoswald. He's out here and I'm, I'm living in this area and I trained this guy and He's now my athlete manager at Goo Energy Labs. I don't know if you use Goo when you participate, but it's, it's quite I've good. I've never tried it. Yeah, gels yeah. and yeah, I yeah. use gels. Oh, I just have to send you some. Goo. Yeah. So he's like just goading me, going like, "Oh yeah, like you're a great road racer, but why don't you try this gravel thing?" You know, and he's yeah. like getting very pop. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know, like I like road. 
And then I start getting a little burned out in road cycling and I love it. And I love the people still. It's just, if you're lining up to these iconic races that people want to do, there's other, there's other women that are striving for this spot. And if I'm hitting my brakes in the last corner and I'm just tired and like worrying about my safety, I think it's time. And you want to choose your own destiny. Like you don't want somebody else to choose for you. So my last year racing Pro World Tour was 2017, and that that year I won Unbound, which is a 206 mile gravel race in Emporia, Kansas, of all places. Um, it was my first gravel queen race. Of gravel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> queen <laughs> yeah. of gravel. I love it. I was I was early on, but I think what helped that transition was I. I worked really hard racing road and having maintained a career throughout it, but it was about you up. Like I had a platform and ability to meet so many amazing people throughout yeah. this career as a professional athlete. And you feel like you're operating on a pedestal. And I was like, I just want to, I just want to have fun now, like on my yeah. bike and meet like more people. And so gravel brought that to me because it's super equitable. It's inclusive. Yes. It's a lot of fun. And so, yeah, it, it was pretty easy. I, the year I chose to race gravel, I negotiated with my world tour team. I was like, I want to do this crazy race. It's long. They're like, that's dumb. I was like, I know. Yeah. They're like, but I want to do it. I mean, like you crash so many times, right. On road cycling. So like, why is it dumb to do gravel? I mean, I think it was so long. It's like a 12 hour day in the saddle. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's mainly what it was. And, and they go like, well, then you have to do all of this before you can do that. And I was like, okay. So I'm like racing Pan American games with USA cycling for team USA. Then I'm like headed to here and doing Ampton tour California. And then I'm like, and now I'm going to do a 206 mile gravel race. <laughs> oh my God. Like on the heels of all the but other th- stuff. Yeah. But when I did it, I just was enamored. I just found my people. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is so fun. It's just people celebrating the day. So I'm so excited to ride gravel with you. My whole thought process is like I've been doing triathlon, not at a pro level, right? But like just for fun for probably 10 years. I don't know. I started running and then I got into triathlon. So I just feel like gravel is like a good intermediate space just exciting like and it's a totally different vibe I think it's super inclusive it gives a place for people to express themselves on their bikes um and there's there's honestly a spot for everyone that's why I loved it when I because you get to do the same course like I could go and race last year at Unbound I did a pace group for people to race the sun which is a big goal that's cool and yeah because it's so fun when you race it, ride it, whatever, but like just to finish, but I gave people goal time. Um, they ended up buying bandanas of all things, um, that we were selling to raise money for the local high school, um, mountain bike league, NICA program there in Emporia, Kansas. And then we also worked with outride, which is great to get more kids on bikes and riding for focus to help like yes. kids that struggle with ADHD, et cetera, in school and using the bike as an outlet to then, when they return to the classroom, they can focus, but it's so fun to me. The fact that when you show up to gravel, like, you know, you and I can show up to an event. We might have different goals. I don't know. I might be doing a pace group. You're racing, Yeah. but it's us against the course. And at the end of the day, we can share beers or your beverage of choice. And it's still, you have the same 
combined experience of just like, oh, did you hate that hill? Yeah, me too. Did you walk up that? Yeah, I did. You know, and it's just like a beautiful way to celebrate. So to me, it, it reminds me a lot of triathlon and marathoning for that yeah. reason is just that it's a celebration, which is sometimes cycling can get so exclusive because yes. if you do your local criterium, you get dropped and then you have the cone of shame on as you're yes. riding around to get pulled or whatever. And you know, that's still, there's a place for that. Cause that's fun too. I mean, racing bikes are, is fun, but I like this whole, like celebrate the day, celebrate you, your own yeah. start line, your own finish line. That I really does like make that. It very similar to triathlon as an, not at a competitive level, but like as an age group athlete. So this is the thing, like I really, you can I, ride my pace group with me. Yeah. So I think what, how much distance are you doing? 200 and six. Oh my God. All right, so 2024. We'll talk about it. 2024. Okay. So here's okay. the thing. Like, I don't know that much about gravel, but I do know, like, mm-hmm. what, you know, I don't, there's all different kinds of gravel. Like, there's, sing- and then there's, like, when gravel intersects with mountain biking, and then there's, like, single tracks. And I don't know, does that happen? Like, what's going on there? Oh, no, that definitely happens. Um, if you want to cut this, you can. If you don't want to, it's okay. But I had a funny blog I wrote that all gravel is not created equal <laughs> because yeah so I have a I did a, a show and a blog on like the 50 shades of gravel okay because I was like well all gravel is not created equal because there's you know one person's gravel is not another person's gravel doesn't mean we don't like all gravel I'm going to tell you personally Marnie I don't like a bunch of single track and techie gravel I like I operate as a human metronome. I like high rolling resistance. I like to ride my bike. I don't want to get off my bike. I don't want to have to like jump through sand pits and like a water cross, like the the least I can do of that. And I can keep just rolling. Yeah. That makes my heart very happy. However, technical gravel makes other people very happy. Right. Because they like to, there's a word for it. It's called underbiking. Okay. And they like to underbike, you know, where you're, you don't know what bike to use. I just like, I want to know my bike. I mean, I race for specialized. I have amazing quiver of bicycles, but I like to, I like to ride my bike and not walk it, hike it, or have to go through a cesspool of, you know, like they'll put like, they literally sometimes will put like pool floaties out there. You have to like go through and you're like, I just want to ride my bike. (laughs) So there's all sorts of different gravel races, but I think that's actually beautiful because it can attract all different types of people and what you want to do on your bicycle. Right. However, Unbound, I think is just a purely beautiful gravel race. It's the Flint rocks are, they're tough on your tires. You get some good sidewall, but you ride your bike that whole course, maybe one water crossing pending if it rained a bunch. But other than that, like, or mud, it's, you can roll that course just with a lot of tenacity and grit and it's it's not single tracky but they, they, they have those events for people though which is awesome and I've done them and I've done fine at them I can win them but I don't personally I like to get into the monotony of riding I like the rhythm and flow of gravel where it's like yeah high rolling resistance and all of that but it's really beautiful because you're off the beaten path and then there's not the stress of like trying to keep my bike upright but that's just me Different strokes for different folks. I've been on this quest to understand gravel. I've been asking a lot of people just about Unbound because it's such a cool event. And then, like, what can I do locally? Because, you know, it's like saying I want to do Kona and then, like, never doing a triathlon before and showing up. 
I mean, I'm sure if I have some skills, I can make it through, but it's, it's like, you know, the hardest of hard. Well, I'm telling you, put Rasputista on that list if you want to make the drive to Vermont. Yeah, Vermont is way easier than Kansas. All right, just dropping in here to give a shout out to our partners, Athletic Greens and AG1. AG1 is an all-in-one nutritional supplement. It has 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. And it's super easy to use. Just add one scoop to a cup of water daily. AG1 is my go-to for getting in the essential daily supplements. And since I'm always on the move, the travel packs are my fave. I take them with me wherever I go. AG1 is a small microhabit with big benefits. It's the one thing you can do every day to take great care of yourself. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. And it tastes great. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Marnie on the move. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Marnie on the move to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Shout out to our sponsors at Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is my go-to for staying on the inside track of my health and wellness. Created by experts from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT, Inside Tracker uses the power of your body's key biomarkers, fitness data, and DNA, and DNA to reveal what you need to live healthier longer. You'll receive specific nutrition, exercise, supplement, and lifestyle recommendations, providing insight that goes well beyond what you can get from generic blood work. I started using Inside Tracker in 2019, and it has been a real game changer for my health and athletic performance. Since May is Women's Health Month, Inside Tracker is unveiling an upgraded ultimate plan that includes three new hormone biomarkers that are critical to measure during a woman's reproductive and menopausal years. The new ultimate plan includes estradiol, progesterone, and TSH. And because it's Women's Health Month, Inside Tracker is not charging for these three hormone markers in May. For a limited time, Marnie on the Move listeners can get 20% off Inside Tracker's new ultimate plan. With Inside Tracker, discovering what your body needs is no longer a guessing game. Visit insidetracker.com slash Marnie on the Move. That's insidetracker.com slash Marnie on the Move. Now, back to our conversation. So how did you get into cycling? Take me back to like where this all began for you. Oh, I love this story. Yeah. So I played tennis in college, um, like we were talking about um, NCAA tennis and I wasn't that good, like enough for a full ride scholarship, but not, I was never going to be a professional tennis player. And I just scrapped my way through to make the lineup every match, but I never was the number one or anything like that, which is totally fine. Right. It was a lot of work. So I, I started putting my energy into be the best athlete on the team. So, you know, I lived with all the tennis players. They're still my best friends. It's amazing. College sports are awesome. Yeah. But I, um, you know, you just like, have you ever felt that or you just get scrappy? You're like, well, I'm going to bench press then more than anybody because I, or run the mile faster yeah. because I can't do this skill sport <laughs> as well as all of you can. <laughs> 
So when I graduated college, um, I was still very competitive and I was like, ah, man, I'm still so competitive yet. Like what? I'm like sitting here in my lab, like pipetting things and testing for the next virus or something like that. I was like, I'm still really competitive. So I got into running, which led to triathlon. And then fortunately enough for me, my grandfather raced bikes and he didn't start till over 50. So for those listening as well, like it's speed is timeless. Cycling is timeless. Sports yeah. are timeless. It's like start a new endeavor whenever the hell you want. <laughs> well, he was drafted. He was a army veteran, in the Korean conflict. And then he worked really hard. And, you know, so when he retired, he was running a lot. His knees were giving away as long distance running does. And so he picked up a bike and he was in LA at the time. And he, just started trying to hang on to the young kids in LA and they're like, Hey, old man, you're pretty good. You know? And then he got into it. And so he raced well into his eighties. Um, so once again, never too late to start. And he won over 18 national championships for like the amateur masters nationals here for like USA cycling. I feel like cycling is one of those things. Like you get better with age. I think you do. I, I met when I was in Hawaii, not for the triathlon, but for just vacation, I dropped into a local ride and a lot of the people on the ride were like in their 70s. And I mean, they smoked me like they were so fast. I mean, not that I'm fast, but like they were really good cyclists and they had it, the whole strategy dialed and they were like in great shape. And I was like, this is so awesome. I think it's so amazing to to build on that. And I do think, especially as women, as women, we get faster with age more so than even men. Cause we, we peak later than men fun. Actually that is a document and scientific fact, by the way, but we do, we peak a little later um, on endurance sports, but yeah, my, my grandpa, so my grandpa, but I call him grandpa. His name is Paul Tetrick, but he has since passed away, which is, you know, heartbreaking, but he, he rode until he couldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a great life, but he was racing well into his eighties. But when he got me, he kept like nudging me going out, like try the bike, like look at these hands, look at your legs. Like I have very long femurs, by the way. <laughs> He's like, you could go to the Olympics in cycling. Spoiler, I never made the Olympics. I was on the long team, never made it, but um, I crashed and hit my head. But um, he would, he was always goading me to, to try it. And I'm like, cycling is so dorky he you know you wear all these like fluorescent clothing and spandex like yeah. I have a visor and a tennis skirt get yeah. my nails done I still get my nails done um but like it's so dorky you felt and, like that yeah but I showed up to a bike race with him and I, I bought a bike off of eBay and I I drove to Colorado to surprise him at his bike race and then it just became this beautiful love language between me and my grandfather, who he didn't know how to express his emotions very well. You know, he just didn't really tell me he loved me. And then through the bike, though, he loved me so much. And oh, it's not because so I had to sweet. prove that to him. But yeah, you know what I mean, though? Like where you don't have to say I love you, but then I'd have yeah. to make him. I'd be like, Grampy, tell me you love me. He'd be like, I love you. Yeah. Because he used to do the me too thing. I'd be like, I love you. And he'd be like, me too. I'm like, uh tell me but no through the bike we got to experience uh several you know a decade and a half or whatever of me riding bikes and did you guys ride do long rides together and do events together we did yeah we raced a time trial together we do long rides together and we just had this 
incredible connection that we had it already, but through the bike, it was so much more powerful. When did you go pro? When I went professional, it was very quick. I was actually, you'll like this, still racing triathlon. And you know how triathletes like to tell you what you need to do for your training? You think cyclists are bad. Triathletes to me are a whole nother level. So I was racing triathlon and, you know, the triathlon coach to the San Francisco like club that I was in, you need to do some fart licks, you know, that sounds so weird. I know. But part of that was like, sign up to do a bike race so you can get some speed. Right. So I signed up for the bike race and I win. Sign up for another one, win, win. And then suddenly I've been, I don't even know how to clip in, by the way, at this point, this is 2008 and nine. Okay. Like, I mean, the, the bike race is starting and I'm still like, okay, so the pedal is here. I just got to smash my foot on the pedal and it goes in. Right. Okay. Okay. I can do this. I can do this. And, um, I ended up getting called up for, uh, a talent identification camp for USA cycling at the Olympic training center, Colorado Springs. Races. That's so cool. Yeah. Cause I became a pro in like a couple months and then they're like, um, yeah, you want to come over here. So it's so cute to circle back. My grandfather, since the Olympic training centers in Colorado Springs, my grandfather drove down and he was just like, he picked me up from the airport. He dropped me off and he's like, here you go, Al, you That's got so this. Cool. And I was like, still don't know how to clip in. <laughs> it's funny. Cause I brought my swimming stuff and my running shoes with me just in case. And they're just like, they're just watching me. And then they're like, I think you're just better at the bike. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, I wasn't there for swimming or running at all. I'm a very bad swimmer. But I, I feel like, like so many triathletes are bad swimmers. Like it's like our, I feel like for me, it was running that got me into triathlon. And I think what I love about it is running and cycling and swimming is just like, I have to do it. Yeah. I would do survive the swim. Yeah. Race the bike. Yes. And then whatever's left on the run, here we go. I so, love the run too. I, yeah. Do you still run or you're mostly do? We run twice a week, yeah. my husband and I, but we're, we're, we want to do a marathon this year, but we only run like three miles <laughs> each day or just twice a week. Okay. We're just trying not to make our bodies hurt. Cause like the problem is cycling, you get no bone density and all that friction yes. and pounding yes. stuff. Yeah. And then we like, we'll hike my, like, we like to do hiking. So we'll do like a Mount Whitney or John Muir trail or something like that. And then we're, yeah. your body is so wrapped because it's not used to it. Like we're very fit, yeah, but we're but not used to that. Yeah. So we're trying to like make our bodies acclimate to more pounding and yeah. Bone density building stuff. So like strength training as well. Yeah. Do you do a lot of strength training or is it? Yeah. Zero. Yeah. I don't do anything. <laughs> don't even ask me if I stretch. No, I mean, I'm a horrible I, example to your listeners. I'm sorry. No, I, mean, <laughs> I do I nothing. My listeners probably are all feeling like the understanding that because at least you have to strength train when you're older, especially like as you get older, especially like into your 40s and 50s to like have any kind of speed. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I'm hearing. It's it's a weird thing in cycling is and, and a lot of endurance sports, but like, you know, people always get into the power to weight ratio, et cetera, which yes. can create a ton of eating disorders and et cetera. But I am a very muscular woman and very strong. Naturally, I have big bones. I am tall and I have a lot of muscle. And so I never did strength training because it made me more bulky. 
And I'm not saying that from an aesthetic standpoint. I like bulk. I like my body, but I was just trying to not build any additional muscle that I didn't need considering power to weight was not on my side, but I would love to, one day I would love to just go to the gym and just start. (laughs) We do like yoga. That's what we do. We like do yoga and some core but we're really bad at it. I put it on our to-do list. I set alarms. And then like other times where it's like, I think it's happy hour. I think yeah. it's time. No, it's really, like, it's we're really not... hard if it's not your focus. No, because we want to ride. And if I ride all day, like the right, last thing I want to do is yeah. strength training. I'm like, I'm tired and I have to work and I have to do all these things. So now you're inspiring me to try some more strength training. I'm looking at our to-do list because he bought a whiteboard of to-do lists on our refrigerator. I'm looking at it and it is definitely... This is your husband has all these things. He's got you dialed. You know, I just started, I mean, I've been strength training now for a little bit. And today I went to the pool. Speaking of to-do lists, you also have, tell me about your business because you also, you were saying you worked on the campaign for Zwift and you're very involved in the world of cycling and equity and sport and all of those things. So what are you doing for your business beyond cycling? I've always maintained a career outside of cycling for sure. I don't know if that makes you the best cyclist in the world, but for me back to investing yourself in life balance, I think it provides me a space to also be like, Oh, I'm doing something like I'm very purpose driven. Right. Um, and then during COVID my husband and I, um, instead of, making sourdough bread, which a lot of people are doing, which is awesome. Please drop it off. We just like, we'll start a company. Let's do it. He has a full-time job as well. But like, so he, um, he and I started a company. It's called Saga Ventures and we designed bandanas of all things, which wasn't around like covering your face, but I like to wear a good bandana back to the cowgirl part. And we were selling bandanas uh, to raise money for scholarships initially for NICA, which is the National Interscholastic Cycling Association. Um, it's a high school mountain bike league, but we went directly into NorCal, which is where we live. Right. And we did five scholarships for female identifying athletes to be able to participate in the NICA calendar, as well as GRIT, which is girls riding together. We expanded it last year with the pace group at Unbound and gave back money there to Outride as well as the Emporia, Kansas, where Unbound takes place, um, program. And we're, I mean, it's all volunteer stuff, like for them to do it. So if you can give somebody a couple thousand dollars or like however many thousands of dollars you can, I mean, you can fund a whole year. And then also cycling, as you know, in triathlon, endurance sports and just sports in general. But I think endurance sports especially is very cost prohibitive to get people of diversity, women, girls, kids, like it's, it's hard. So if I can help provide bikes, helmets, your race entries, your league entry, um, I think, I think that's going to make some movement for our next generation as well as for women. Um, so so yeah, we started that company. So that's Saga Ventures. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I do some other things on the side of that to help companies with brand activation, but it goes back to purpose because we only want to have a purpose driven life, which is a book. Um, but you know what I mean? Like you want to do something that's sorry. I know it's such a book. I I never read it either, but we want to have purpose with with brands that you work with that are making a difference. So whether that's through 
like I said, we work with Specialized and Zwift and Wahoo and, you know, a bunch of rad sponsors that just are making a difference in this industry to make it more equitable and create more opportunities for people that might not be able to participate unless we provide the opportunity for them to. And then you can quite create these huge waves, like, you know, this, this river of flowing of just constant changing and growth and movement says, cause coming from tennis, which yeah. thankfully somebody like Billie Jean King, this paved this way. And then you enter cycling and they're like, oh yeah, you don't get anything. Like the guys get that you don't. So we're just trying to make sure we can lower that pay gap and make yeah. it more equitable. And, um, yeah. And then brands that care. So I work on this marketing creative campaign stuff on that, but ultimately to raise money and just provide more space, like life is a podium and there's space on that podium for as many people as we can get up on it and to have them have a voice and that space and power to be able to participate and have fun. Yeah. <laughs> I also am super psyched to be have been using Zwift since like they started because they're also pioneers of bringing the Tour de France femme of X Zwift as an athlete as a woman like I just think it's awesome that there's more eyeballs on the sport that we're you know it's my mission to bring awareness to all of these things mm-hmm. to mainstream you know because we're talking to each other like we're both in in the world of endurance sports like that's our life I don't know I just think that, and it was su- it was such a great event to watch. I mean, you were watching obviously and reporting, but it was so exciting just sitting at home and and the history of the course and like how the women were racing and the history of each town, like riding through Ren and yeah. I think the biggest thing that we talk about on that is too is like it's visibility is viability. Yeah. So when people ask me like how do I support, and I'm always like click like subscribe, like watch listen. I don't know. Yeah. Um, But, you know, the more we watch women, the more women win. And it's just about providing that platform and that space. Um, Yeah, I'm super passionate about that. I, yeah, I I think it's a, it's interesting. It's simple, but then, yeah, hopefully we don't have to have this conversation again. Or, you know, I mean, maybe it just becomes common knowledge. Do you know, do you have a sense of like how long it takes for something to be like the Tour de France in 2022 and like, how can we get it to the Tour de France men's level of prize purse and the visibility? Do you have any sense of that? It might be 10 years. I think it could get escalated with the right corporate sponsor dollars just yeah. to help build that yeah. and the investment of us and people listening just to continue to support, like, I don't know, whatever, watch but I, we, for the viability part, that's where it has to be visibility. So somebody has to take a risk. That's why we like these companies yeah. that support women's cycling, which I know we've been talking a lot about Zwift, but there's companies like Camelback and Specialize and they're like companies that are putting money into making products specifically for women and doing innovation. To get a bike yeah. that actually fits you, that works for yeah, your body. Saddles. Yeah, saddles. All of that. Hydration packs, fanny packs, uh, you know, all these ways that we can make design specific for women when it matters. Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't matter, you're making specific for a broad population. Like that. It's just like, if gender doesn't matter, like, welcome, there's still a place for you, you know? Um, 
Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious. I think it last year was such a booming success. Um, it's just a matter of us all continue to invest our time and energy and support. Yeah. And if corporations can get behind it. And I think from a marketing side, there's a lot of non-endemic opportunities there as well, because yeah. we're looking now at the women's soccer team is doing and they're selling out stadiums. And so they're moving stadiums now. It feels like it's been like five years right? Is it like five, yeah. six years, like where it's gotten like really more part of a conversation in mainstream culture? Yeah. Cause in tennis, you know, I'm growing up with Serena Williams and Venus Williams on my wall, Yeah, which is so weird. Cause they were like still playing and I'm like, I'm a professional cyclist now. I love them, <laughs> but I love them too. But like they were on my wall and I just believed I could. Yeah. And I mean, they're still hanging up in my like childhood home, right? Like my yeah. parents didn't take them down. I go and sleep and still look at them. I love game changers. You know, they were really like their fashion and like everything that they brought to the court, like was just, and I played tennis, not at your level, but like as a kid growing up and I hated like having to wear those stupid sneakers and like this white outfit to play tennis and it was just so annoying to me because it wasn't really my personality. But I like tennis, you know, and then when they came along, I was like, yes, finally. Speaking of brands that support female athletes and empowerment and like just the whole movement of equity in sports, you work with Camelback. So how long have you been working with them and how do they kind of support your initiatives as a cyclist and all the gravel riding that you do? When I switched from pro road cycling into gravel, I had the luxury slash blessing slash, oh my goodness, I am so lucky <laughs> to be able to work with brands that I had worked with for a long time and were stoked to continue to support me. And we could do some amazing activations and product development, et cetera. Um, I, I am based like I said, in Petaluma, California. Yeah. And um, so that's Northern California, Sonoma County. We're about 45 minutes north of San Francisco. Yeah. And I, I work with mainly California brands that are based out of here. Um, I race for Specialized, which is about 90 miles from me. Um, Goo Energy Labs, which is in Emeryville, like 30 miles from here, yeah. uh, Quater Coffee's own company. It's amazing. So I, oh my goodness, I have so much fun. One of my favorite sponsors is Camelback and their headquarters are in Petaluma, California, where I live. Oh, that's amazing. And that's local. Oh, I ride my bike over to go product tests for women's specific designs. One of my favorite products is the Chase Fest. And it's a gravel cycling specific hydration vest that still allows access to your three rear pockets on okay. your jersey um, with lots of storage space for keys, phones, 1.5 liters of water. But the fact that they created a specific women's hydration pack because shocking, women's chests are built a little different than men's. <laughs> So, so you wear a vest when you ride your bike? Like you don't use water bottles? Is that the storage when you're on gravel? Like I, I'm like taught less on your bike, the better. 
So yeah, so I have two water bottles, but that's it. Well, gravel racing can get very long. So it's very endurance. So you can be on your bike for, you know, up to 12, 13 hours. Um, okay. I do still carry two Camelback podium bottles. I like the podium bottles. They're a little shorter. They're amazing. And then I ride the hydration vest, um, which is the chase vest, um, the women's specific virgin, because yeah, we're talking about chest size here, yeah. but when you, uh, they also have a unisex one, so that's fine too. All chest sizes are uh, welcome. Ready. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All welcome. Yes. Uh, so, but sometimes like the start of a gravel race, it can be very hectic because you're starting with a couple thousand of your closest frenemies and you're riding really hard and it's, you know, there's gravel, it's six o'clock in the morning. It's, it's kind of crazy too. So mm-hmm. having that extra, safety that you don't have to reach down to get your bottle and drink it. And the aid station might not be for another three or four hours, depending okay, on wow. your speed. Okay. Yeah. So you have some time. I prefer the vest for the freedom of mind that I get the hydration I need. I put some calories in there from goo mainly for me. And then I um, have the freedom of mind for that, but it also has important you know, my information, you know, so they're not all clogging my pockets and I can have more room for snacks and then the front. Um, but we've had so much fun working with them on that product development, especially for the women's side of things. That's awesome. Product development as well and help them with like Mm -hmm. products. That's great. And, and specialized, have you always been on specialized or not always, but in 2018, um, we launched a saddle, which I've been working on for several years with them, uh, for a women's specific saddle, because also not shocking yeah. women sit on saddles different than men. Cause there's yeah. this different, um, external plumbing and internal plumbing, you yes. know, that's occurring. So it's just what, making those differences when it matters and creating products that could really help get more women on bike. So I think, these companies are doing a phenomenal job where they're not just like they're putting their money where their mouth is and investing in how do we get more women on bikes, more kids on bikes, et cetera, but like making products that can also make a huge difference. So I love it. Yeah. What's your next event? Like, you know, I know you've been busy working and you know, the pandemic happened. Like, are you training for something? Like what, what is your next thing? I'm always training for life. Uh, but I think, I have an all women's fondo here in Marin, which is going to be really fun. Nice. Uh, it's with a company I work with called Jam Bar, which is a female founded company. And then I head to Sea Otter and we're going to work with little Bella's there and do an ice cream social. Ooh. I want to sponsored by Camelback. And do, I want to go and ride, road ride, not gravel, but do anything. I want to do anything that looks at the ocean and goes through the mountains at the same time. Yeah. I'm so I like, will yeah. be there. You will the be there. Views are insane. I will be there. Um, it's actually for little Bella's is a really cool program. It's, um, if for young girls in mountain biking and yeah. it's all female leadership, That's cool. it's amazing. So what is it? it's, yeah, it's founded by the Olympian, uh, Leah Davidson, mountain bike Olympian. Okay. And so I work with them just to get more little girls on bikes, but it's very playful and energetic. It's not about racing, but okay. they did a scavenger hunt around Seattle last year. This year we'll be at the Camelback booth, um, doing an ice cream social. Well, they'll fill up little Camelback tumblers with ice cream and sprinkles and Fun. sprinkle under the light of life. 
and they just learn skills on the mountain bike, but it, yeah, it's not racing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll do that. And, um, I'll be around there with specialized. You have to come. I'm going to do the grand Fondo. I'll probably do the road race. Okay. Why not? Yeah. Fun. <laughs> That's so much fun. And then what, it, so are you going to see so those are your next events and then it, what it's like April. So then is the next thing unbound or are you doing on your said you're doing unbound? I'm already signed up. So we, yeah, we got to work on your, yeah. yeah. You got to get me in. Yeah. I'll do Unbound. And then uh, we're doing Gravel Locos, which is in Texas. Uh, It's Heiko, Heiko, Texas. It's 150 miles in May. Yeah. We're just going to have a lot of fun fun. riding. That's so cool. Gravel, not racing all of them, just doing some community stuff, raise more money to help, help get more people on bikes, you know? Um, Also race some, because I like to race still. You still like to race. Don't count me out. Yeah, don't count me out. Because I know that, you know, like you've written about this. I mean, you've suffered some serious traumatic brain injuries and like have just from crashing and everything like and you get back on the bike. And I've, you know, watching the Tour de France Femme and seeing women crash on their bike and me, what do you tell yourself to get back on? I know that you have to go through the healing process. I know that. But like mentally, how do you? get back on the bike? I think mainly getting back on the bike is about what you want. And there's also, there's a huge benefit of having a strong support system because sometimes we become so obsessed with getting back into our sport and getting back into your goals that just got derailed that we lose sight of our own health and well-being. So Mm -hmm. first of all, I hundred percent advocate for a very strong support system of people you trust in your vulnerability and rawness, family, friends, chosen family, because the biggest thing we lose identity because you're like, I'm a triathlete, I'm a runner, I'm a cyclist, I'm a, and you crash and you want to get back, but maybe that's not the healthiest thing you ever do. Yeah. So that's just my disclaimer yeah. is to get back on the bike. I need to make sure it's a healthy and safe for me too. Right. And that, that took me a lot of work to figure out, yeah. like, do I choose results or my health? And, it was and also now I'm job. very comfortable. So that was also yeah. like an added That's my stressor paycheck. to it. Right. Like, yeah. 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 So choose health over results. And then it's, it's choosing goals with that strong support system that you love and trust. Um, it's choosing goals that inspire you. And it's not what other people tell you. Like, if you don't want to run the Boston Marathon, you don't have to. Yeah. Do you want to run like CIM? Like, I don't know. I'm just throwing out marathon yeah. names. Yeah. Or like, do you want to do on bound and you think it sounds awful? Like, maybe you want to do gravel worlds. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's choosing something that you want to try that you think is palpable and exciting and it gets you up out of bed. And then you're maintaining your health life balance. So for me getting out, I just always have to double check that this is what I want to do. Does my support team say this is good. And then am I excited? Hell yeah. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, you know, like back to horses, it's like getting back, get on, back on that saddle, <laughs> Yeah, get back in the saddle. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, and you also have a clinical degree in psychology. So mm-hmm. there's that. So I know that you have some like actual factual data behind the desire to just get back in the saddle. Um, and you know what the mental process is for that. But that's really interesting because I always think like as an athlete, you know, I've had my moments where like I actually crashed on my bike this summer and like I was 
not even moving, which is embarrassing. <laughs> I was unclipping and it was like a major wipeout. Somebody like rode into me. So I wasn't even moving. Oh. Yeah. But I mean, like I was like, the first thing I did was get back on the bike because I knew I wanted to ride and I didn't want to like let time go by. It wasn't a traumatic brain injury. There was nothing major. I broke my tooth, like, but it felt major. So I just always wonder, you know, for me, like I have an athlete mindset. So I'm going to always want to excel, always want to get back out there, always want to improve and move forward. But I think, you know, not everybody's like that. And I think that people have hurdles like getting doing movement, you know, after having some kind of incident like that. So I don't know. I just wanted to know how you did it because it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I think though, getting back on your bike is important. Cause like we were talking about my traumatic brain injury, which I'm still recovering from. And that's like a whole long journey, getting life flooded out and learning how to read again. And then getting a graduate degree to prove to yourself, you can learn again. Did it happen one time or it was like, Oh, after a series of crashes. I had concussions, concussions before that. And then the big one was just awful. And then I crashed again eight months later at the Pan American Games. And then it was just pretty much lights out. And I've, I've been concussed since, but I'm very susceptible to it now. Yeah. But when people would ask, like, why did you get back on the bike? But there was one pivotal moment where I was like, if I don't get back on a bike, I will never ride a bike again. I don't even need a race. I just needed, like you're saying, get back in the saddle, back on the horse, whatever. But like, yeah. And, and that's where my therapist, my neuropsychologist, actually, he thought that that was probably one of the better things I said was just like the bike Effie knows me something. I didn't say effing. Yeah. And I, I am here. And he was like, all right. Yeah. Cause I rode my bike to neuropsychology therapy, but like, I was just trying, I was so angry at the bike because it took my life. Yeah. Like it took my life, but then in other ways it saves my life every goddamn day. So that's awesome. But do that with very healthy doses yes. of I mean, sanity and that safe support group. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to like everything, you know, is with a grain of salt and like you have to know who you are, right? So if my listeners are listening to this, I mean, I have a lot of athlete listeners and I'm, I'm hope that they're all safe, but you know, things happen when you're out on the bike. So you never know, but you just go, you're just, you're doing gravel. You're out there, you're putting yourself in the elements and it feels good. It does. Yeah. That's awesome. It feels good because it, it goes back to what I learned is like, you need to control your uh, own. Well, you can only control what you can. So control your controllables, but make the decision for you. What makes the most sense? Like don't have somebody else make the decision. So yeah. if I don't feel comfortable in the situation, I'm not inspired. I feel at risk. I can take a shortcut and just yeah. pull myself out and I'm okay with that. And I, I think we give all of us a lot of grace to do that. Yeah. Just show up to the start line takes the most courage you've ever had in your life. Finish yeah. lines are very glorified, but showing up to the start line is so hard. And that is just so much courage in that. And then also there's so much courage in saying no sometimes be like, that's too much. I'm tired. I think you have to be like a major adult to get to that point. <laughs> <laughs> to be like, no. Oh, are you calling me or a major like, adult? No, not you. I'm just saying like, you know, like that is a very adult decision. You could be like, I, I don't know. It took me to my forties to be like, you know what? That's not for me. I'm not saying I wasn't. Yeah. I had like a that, year. But, like, you know, I definitely, it definitely, I don't know. That's it. That's what I'm saying. It's like, you need some rational know, sense. 
it's so funny though. Cause when you like, people are like, what would you tell your younger self? And I'm like, I would tell my younger self to like do everything I did, but like more like, yeah. just cause I was so scared of disappointing people or so scared of what I was wearing, what I look like. You, do you like me? Do you not? And then yeah. later I'm like, Oh no, girl, you should have turned that up to 11. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, now, are you still, are you still like riding horses or not really? Uh, when I go home, I do. Yeah. yeah. Western. Western, of course. <laughs> Western. I knew, I knew that yeah. was called that like, you were not talking hunter jumper. <laughs> Actually, awesome. I have a friend. He's amazing. Um, he has a whole hunter jumper collection, um, pretty close to me. So I've, I've done some with him and some like Arabian Ooh. horses, like the endurance, the endurance ones. Stuff. I have they a friend are... in Dubai that does that. She is, loves it. The ride and tie thing. And then also just endurance. Like those horses though are on a mission. Like I'm not used to them. And they also get like scared of a slug, right? Like you're like running this thing on a trail and it sees a slug and it like jumps four steps sideways. You're like, there's nowhere to go, dude. Like, what are we doing? The quarter the horses are very, hundred. like they're very predictable. Yes. The whole like endurance Arabians, like they're just like, ping. I'm like, I'm sorry that the rock looked at you the wrong way. So yeah, yeah. I, I did some of that, but I, I wore a helmet for sure. Cause yeah. we're oh, going yeah. pretty fast on those horses. He's like, yeah, take my horse out for exercise with me. And I'm out there and I'm like, I'm terrified. Cause they, they, they're very different than a Western. Yeah. I don't even know. I mean, like my friend is so into it. She's loves it. She's competing. Yeah. She's doing like major endurance. I had never even really heard of it until she told me she was doing it. And I, Still kind of have, like trying yeah, to- Yeah, have her look at the uh, ride and tie. The ride and tie is crazy. You take those endurance horses and you have two teammates, one runs, the other rides the horse, you tie up the horse and then the runner has to catch the horse and it's this relay. Oh my God. She probably, she's crazy. She's probably doing it. She's she's probably, if they have it in Dubai. I think so. Um, yeah, just be careful. Cause also those horses are very small and I'm very tall. So like right. my legs are like so much longer on them than I'm used to. So it's like sense of balance is a little different. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no. We could talk I mean, about horses all day. Could, I know. And I'm actually only five one and really small. So like the horses are like, wait, is somebody on me right now? Like what's going on? <laughs> and I always used to ride horses that were like 17 hands. Yeah. Hunter dumpers are huge. Yeah. Oh man. I got to see some photos of that. All right. I'll send you my photo. Of- this has been so awesome, Allie. I would totally meet you come ride for a mile or something or whatever. That'd be awesome. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, MarnieOnTheMove1 at gmail.com and let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of, If you have questions for our guests, just reach out. 